everybody. Welcome to the Best Thoughts Podcast. Or when my brother's doing the talking, the Worst Thoughts Podcast. (laughs) I'm Rick Johns. And I'm Will Johns. And my brother is just a little bit sore today because some of our listeners have been complimenting me and not him. And uh, so... What? Um, that just makes him feel better to, mm. to call mine the worst thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, our name kind of kind of sets us up for that joke, though. Uh, it does. It does. It's... <laughs> I'm sure some internet troll will jump online right now and say, this is the worst thoughts podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Now you just gave our friends. We've got a bunch of smart aleck friends that will definitely be doing that. So good job, Will. Thanks a lot. Oh, man. It shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't help that kind of thinking go farther. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, we are excited today because we're going to continue our season two relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking about part two of marriage. And what I'm super excited about today is what ever relationship you've been in, you're going to be able to relate to what we say today because these are the principles that have affected us the most. Yeah. So you're getting the very best of our own experience in today's podcast on marriage. And relationships, because I don't think we should exclude anybody who is in an intimate relationship will definitely relate to the challenges, yes. struggles, and principles that we're going to share today. And I wanted to start us off with a story, Will. Sure. uh, From my own life, uh, which apparently is what we use (laughs) on this podcast. It's kind of a a lesson in vulnerability and humility uh, to have this podcast. And for some crazy reason, we like it. So I don't know what that says about us. But nonetheless, (laughs) uh, one of my stories, as many of you know, I have had two marriages now. And that hopefully is the highest my number total will go. Uh, But I've had two marriages, and when in between those marriages, as I was trying to heal from uh, some of the pain of a divorce and the marriage that failed and went in the tubes, I was going to a counselor who was just awesome, Will. This, This girl was amazing. And I would just say to anyone out there, First of all, if you're having challenges in your relationships or have had a bad relationship that you need to heal from or you're in one, get professional help, get a good counselor. And my first bit of advice would be find someone that works well with you because there's a lot of counselors that aren't as good. And if you're not getting anything out of it, and I've heard people say, oh, I went to a counselor and I didn't get anything out of it, then you had the wrong counselor. Yes. Point number one. I mean, I didn't even mean for this to be point number one today, but it is point number one. Go to keep, you know, if you can't find a good one, go to another person, go to another person until you find a good one. Because when you find the good one, they are worth every single penny and just can be so helpful and guide you through uh, whatever you're dealing with or working with. So I'm, I'm in this uh, awesome counselor. Her name was Kelly. Shout out to Kelly in Virginia. And she was saying to me, you know, you seem to be a bit perfectionistic. And I was blown away by that statement. And so I argued with her. No, no, no. I'm not a perfectionist. Because in my past relationship, I was married to a perfectionist. I mean, my ex-wife, she just had to have everything a certain way. And if it wasn't that way, you would hear about it. 
And it got so tiring and wearying, and it led to many fights and arguments. And so in my mind, I was the carefree one. I was the happy-go-lucky one. I was the fun one. She was the uptight perfectionist. And now I'm doing counseling. I'm all by myself, living alone. I can't blame my ex. I can't blame my past. All I can do is sit in front of this counselor and listen as she shares point by point by point, quote by quote by quote from me of things I had said to her over that year and proved to me that I had some really strong perfectionistic tendencies, mm. that mm. I had some control issues, and I never, ever would have guessed that. In fact, if you had asked me, I would have said, no way, I'm the opposite because of my past relationship. But in that relationship, I was blinded to my part of the perfectionism, my part of needing control, because all I was focusing on was her part and how wow. she was a perfectionist and wow. she was a control freak. And that's one of the wonderful things, if you want to put it that way, of being by yourself is you can't blame your spouse. Suddenly, mm. these are my issues. And this perfectionism and this control stuff that I'm wrestling with and that I'm having a hard time with, that's completely on me. And I was so grateful. And that counselor just helped me see a part of myself that was always there that probably contributed to some of the you know, fights and, and demise of my first marriage, but she helped me to see it so that I could deal with it in a healthy way. Well, Rick, and, and that just proves, your story just proves the power of getting a good counselor um, because I've been trying to tell you for years that you're a perfectionist and you just wouldn't <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> I don't remember you ever saying anything. And that would be like the pot calling, calling the kettle black. <laughs> hey, you know, denial is a powerful thing, and, and you, you don't even remember hearing it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's a great story because so much of, of the pitfalls that we fall into in any relationship, but especially in marriage relationships, is the focus on the other person. Yeah. You know, if my spouse would just, if they would just change this, if they would just change that, then everything would be great. But as long as I'm focused on trying to change my spouse, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Everything will stay the same. It's only when I own my part of it that things start to change. So I, I love that you're kicking us off here, Rick, by saying... We got to focus on ourselves. Yeah. And that's where you need the good friend, the counselor, somebody that can speak into your life because I was so judgmental of my spouse with that. It never occurred I might have a problem. Mm. And there mm. is the blindness that can so easily occur in our relationships. Uh, absolutely. And what you're describing is just classic psychological projection yes where we have an issue in ourselves that we don't like and the way we express it is by disliking and judging people that also have that issue in themselves but when we focus on it that way we don't fix anything right you know we we stay stuck and it it's a defense mechanism so that that dysfunction in ourselves never gets addressed because we never see it. 
and therefore we never work on it and therefore also it makes us feel better because it's this person that's the problem not me yes so now i feel better about myself oh it's my spouse is so perfectionistic my spouse is so controlling and the problem is we be we believe it so strongly and we find evidence to back it up and we we get angry because oh there goes my spouse again you know with this thing or here we have to hear about this again or they're all upset about this and we just don't spend that time in the mirror i wonder what it would be like if we put up cameras in our homes and we could watch <laughs> ourselves like a reality tv show you know go back the next day watch yesterday and see what i act see what i said because i think we'd be kind of shocked maybe yes. even stunned by the way we say some things by how we say them and when you watch as a third party we might see ourselves in a very different light yes yes what you're getting at there is how do we get that perspective how do we see ourselves kind of from the outside and one of the ways is certainly to ask a trusted friend or, or a good counselor to give us feedback mm -hmm. and and you know, I heard someone say a while back, you know, we can only see about 70% of our body without a mirror. And the same is true of we can only see about 70% of, of who we are without a person to reflect back to us our blind spots. Yeah. We all have blind spots and there's something we can do about it by finding a safe and trusted person to reflect back to us things that, that we can start working on and, and really see some amazing growth in our relationships as a result. And it would save so many fights. Yeah. Because when you're projecting, yes. the other person's a little outraged because it's not actually about them. And they know it. And they're like, why are you picking on me? Why are you saying I'm perfectionistic? <laughs> yes, yes. And you go back and you're yes. fighting and you really think they are perfectionistic and they're saying, um, I don't know where this is coming from and what's your problem? And those things escalate and they build up. And even if you're able to get past that argument, one of the challenges in marriage is that these arguments become cumulative. And this yes. is important to understand. And we've all kind of gotten there where suddenly you kind of just hit this breaking point. And that's a bad place to be. The breaking point is when just everything starts coming out and you just blow up at your spouse. And that doesn't happen with just one thing. That's a cumulative kind of effect. And you have to be able to resolve these little things in healthy ways. Otherwise, it could blow up in a big way. And then those are where the real damage is done. And that's hard to recover from sometimes. Well, and, and Rick, all of this has reminded me um, of a story from my own experience regarding control. And in any relationship, it's human nature to want to be in control to some degree or another. But control can become the problem itself. Mm. And, and often what is resented in relationships is when the other person is controlling you. Yeah. So if you're feeling controlled, you resent it. But if you're not in control, you might feel fearful or vulnerable or scared. Mm -hmm. And, and so as I look back at my marriage, uh, I could see very clearly, especially when I look at the earlier years, how much control was a factor on my part and, and what a negative 
it was bringing into the relationship. Mm. And we've talked before on this podcast about my interest in doing budgets. And that was an area where I, I began to control my wife. I was trying to control every penny that she spent. And of course, she didn't appreciate this. <laughs> what? And, and I wouldn't have appreciated it if I had been in her shoes. But <laughs> in my mind, and then here, here's another thing we can throw in is there's always a deeper layer to every conflict. Mm. So the obvious conflict was about control, but the deeper layer was I felt like if I didn't perfectly provide for my wife and our family financially, that she would reject me yeah. and want to divorce me. Yeah. So, so here's my insecurity about my place in the family and my value to the family coming out as control of everybody's spending. Wow. And, and of course, it's a recipe for conflict. Yeah. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just doing this for you. This is what's best for you. <laughs> and she's thinking, no, it's not best for me. <laughs> and why did I marry you? <laughs> and, and yeah, what, what, what in the world did I sign up for here? And so here's the solution. And, and that is the power of the request. That is one of the best principles. And, and it's, it comes from Matthew 7 where Jesus, first of all, says, judge not that you be not judged for whatever measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So my controller would come in with judgment. Mm. You're spending too much, and that's a character flaw, right? <laughs> and, and so we talked last time about the harsh startup. So yeah. it's a terrible startup to conversation right off the bat. Of course, it leads to other of the four horsemen, defensiveness and mm -hmm. stonewalling and so forth. And so just terrible right off the bat. But Jesus says, just a few verses later, ask and it will be given to you. Here's the power of the request. Don't judge, just ask. Hmm. And so as soon as I started approaching finances from that angle, and I would just go to my wife, and make a request. I would appreciate it if you would do X, Y, or Z. That will help us with our budget this month. That's it. Does she have to do it? No. So I've lost control. I've let go of control, but I got more cooperation. Yep. What a, what a novel concept. <laughs> novel concept. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a good one for all of us. And it kind of gets back to the first thing you said, Will, where there's layers to all of this. And usually what you're fighting about is not the real issue. And mm -hmm. so one of the things I want to say is I was listening to you, Will, and we can get back to this power of the request because there's plenty to talk about there. But one of the things I want to say is when you're upset with the person you're in a relationship with, and you find yourself just like playing that tape over and over in your head, I can't believe they said this, or I can't believe they did that, or this and that, and I'm gonna let them have it, or I'm gonna tell them, or I need to, or I don't know what I'm gonna do, I'm mad, but I, I don't wanna tell them. Whatever is playing in your head, stop the tape for a second and say, what is this really about? What am I really feeling? Yeah. Is it about this issue? Or like you said with the money, you were feeling insecure. You wanted to provide for your family, but what if you couldn't? 
What if they spend all the money and then it makes you look bad? Yeah. What if I'm not a good provider? What if I'm not a good husband? And so, and your wife would never guess that. She'd be like, man, this guy, he's obsessed with money or he's a control freak or he wants all the money for his stuff and not my stuff. You know, when you're on the other end of it, you're never going to see those deeper issues or, yes. or you may not see those deeper issues, I should yes. say. In that same passage in Matthew 7, Jesus said, take the plank out of your own eye. Mm. Then you can mm. see clearly to take the speck <laughs> out of your sister's eye, your brother's eye. So that's the principle I want to challenge. I want to challenge someone who's listening today. If you got nothing else out of this podcast, that when you find yourself getting resentful or angry at your spouse for something that's happened, maybe it's happened for the hundredth time and you're just losing it. Stop and say, what is this really about? Why does this bother me so much? Yeah. And to, to end the story here is when I recognize that deeper layer and shared it with Lori, then it changed it mm. because now she at least sees, you know, my weakness, my controllingness in context as to what's driving it. Yeah. You know, as I was able to share, like my, my deeper desires just to make sure I could successfully provide for the family. And guess what? We were in complete agreement on that. There was no conflict about the deeper issue. Hmm. She wanted me to succeed at provi providing for the family and I wanted to succeed at it. So there was no conflict there. The conflict was about how I was going about it. Yeah. And and that's the that's the power of removing the plank from your eyes, you said, Rick, and the power of the request because once I stopped trying to control her reaction to to my requests, I was much more likely to get a favorable reaction. Yeah. And I can hear someone saying right now, so I want to address this. Yeah, I've tried the power of the request and it didn't work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I loaded up with judgment uh, <laughs> because the request didn't work. So here's the thing. If it's a true request and it, quote, doesn't work, you have to let it go. That's right. Um, because otherwise it's not a request, it's a demand. Yep. If you don't let it go, it's not a true request. But it might take several times for the other person to believe that it is a true request, that it isn't a demand. Yeah. And, and so you're, if you've been in a pattern, like I was, of being controlling in, the, in a relationship, you're going to have to prove your newfound humility. Yeah. And, and be prepared to let it not go your way and be okay with that. And, and guess what? If you've been doing it for years, uh, your spouse is not going to trust you overnight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, well, this is different, but I still feel like there's some angle. It's just another way for them to get what they want. So no. But over time, you have to prove to them that, hey, I am willing to let go. I'm willing to, to take a no. And like you said, well, then the cooperation comes and then the power of the request is just amazing and life-changing, like you said. And, and there's one more layer to it. The Greek word for ask, in, and it will be given to you, the Greek word for ask also has the connotation of ask and keep on asking. Yeah. So you can ask once, 
Nope, the answer is no. Okay, that's fine. You walk away. But if you really care about it, come back a week later. Ask again. Say, listen, I'm not trying to force this. All I'm saying is this this is really important to me. Yeah. No, answer still no. Okay, that's all right. And then wait a little time longer. Ask yeah. again. That just shows that you are legitimately concerned about the issue. But if you do it in a, in a kind of a neutral way, you're not loading it up with judgment or condemnation or any commentary on, on your spouse's character if they don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's judgment. That's a demand. That's controlling. Still no control. Eventually, if your spouse sees that you really care about it and they care about you, you'll probably see some level of engagement and cooperation. So, Will, this brings up something that's very important, and we all know it's important in our relationships, but I don't know too many people that continuously do it very well. It's a hard thing to do consistently well in your relationship, and that is listening. Mm. Listening to your spouse to actually understand them. I love it. Because yes. if you just label them with a character flaw, then you can just dismiss them. Well, they've just got this character flaw. They can't change. I have to live with it. They're a terrible person. I'm a good person for living with it. I'm the martyr. <laughs> and and that's, that's the end of the discussion, Rick. And I love that because I heard someone say the other week, and I'm trying to live by this now, curiosity instead of judgment. I love it. I mean, just imagine the difference that makes. And... Think about it. This is something Jesus says a few verses later in Matthew 7. You guys are going to have to go read Matthew 7, yeah. 1 through 12. He says, do unto others as you've had them do to you. I love it when people are curious with me. Yeah. And I hate it when people are judging me. Oh, for sure. So, you want someone to understand. Yes, you. yes. Especially when you feel misunderstood, then your blood pressure goes up and you're like, no. Da, 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 da. And you see this in marriage, two people just shouting past each other, talking past each other, because neither one of them is actually hearing each other. And like you said for your story, Will, once you explained your, the deeper layers of your insecurity with the money, then Lori was much more sympathetic. She could hear you and you guys could work together because you both wanted to be financially secure. That was actually a goal. Lori didn't have this major character flaw right, that she wanted right. to spend all the money and put you guys <laughs> in the poorhouse. But if you had stuck to your rigid, judgmental thinking, that's the way you could be still seeing her to this day. Yes, yes. And the, the thing I love about this curiosity over judgment as you're talking about it, Rick, is it's another principle that goes right along these lines. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Mm. And that comes from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. Um, but yeah. when I approach a conflict or an important issue in my marriage, when I'm at my best, I will approach an important conversation with the number one goal of saying, am I understanding my wife's perspective on this? Yeah. So I'll ask her, you know, uh, I'll repeat back to her what I think I hear her saying, and I'll say, am I understanding you correctly? Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? And I could tell, like, when I, when I get it right, 
we both just relax. Yeah. You know, it's like, ah, oh, there's understanding, you know. And it's an expression of love. Yeah. You can't yeah. have love without listening. Yeah. Listening yeah. to understand the other person. And you know what? You reminded me, Will, I heard an interview with Harville Hendricks, and Harville Hendricks is one of those who was a researcher with Gottman on that project and then later went off into his own work, and he wrote a, a really good book called Getting the Love You Want. Mm. So if anybody's looking for a good read, that's a good one. In this interview, the interviewer asked him, Harville, you've studied uh, marriage for 40 years. What is the number one thing? If you could just boil it down, what's one thing you have learned about marriage that you would want us to know, you would want us to understand? And Harville just laughed, and he says, oh, that's such a good question. He says, let me think about that. And then he came up with this. He said, you know, if I had to boil it down to one thing, it would be our inability to see the other. Ah, yes. Our inability to see the other. He says, I wish I could tell all married couples, you need to open your eyes and see the other. See the person you're married to. We tend to pigeonhole them. We put them into our scripts. We want them to be a certain thing, even when they're not. And I mean, it's so obvious to people outside of our relationship, but for us within it, we just, there's so many things we don't see. And there's so many things we don't even understand about the people that we think we know so well. We think we know them better than anyone. And sometimes we know them the least because there's certain pieces we refuse to see about them. Well, I love that, Rick, because that is the final fruit of curiosity yeah. and the willingness to listen is that we can see the otherness of our spouse. Uh, early in a relationship, when we're in the infatuation, in love stage, we feel like we're one, like there's just a oneness and that 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 the the other person is us and we are them and 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 there's kind of a it's like a grand fusion to use a a systems theory term Mm -hmm. but over time true love is about seeing the other person as other as unique as different as having their own ideas and thoughts and perspectives and feelings about things and for us to see that and acknowledge that it's, it's one of the greatest gifts we can give our spouse is to listen to them so they feel understood and they feel seen as who they are and honored and respected for that. And I think part of the beauty of that principle is it also allows you to grow together over time. Yes. Because one of the myths about adulthood is that once you become an adult, you never change. Oh, I'm an adult now. I get married. I do my family and I'm Rick and I, Rick's Rick. He, he started to be Rick at what, 25 or something. And he's going to be Rick until he's dead, you know, as an adult. And that's ridiculous. We continue to grow. If we're doing this journey, right, we are changing. And that's one of the reasons marriages struggle is because, oh, but I married this person. Well, guess what? They're changing. And so are you. And so you have to keep checking in with each other. You have to keep allowing the other person to be other. Let them be something other than you thought they were. Maybe they want to try something new. Maybe they actually have 
uh, a spirit of adventure that you just thought, oh, they never want to do anything. But maybe it's in a different way. There's so many ways. That's a good point, Rick, because I didn't, I hadn't thought about this before, but to see them as other, they may be other than what they were when you first got married. And they should be. <laughs> and, and that may be, it might be quite different. And yet somehow we unrealistically expect them to be that same person that we married 30 years ago. Yeah. And of course they're different. Of course they've grown. Of course they have a different perspective over time. And we need to, to create space and freedom in the relationship for the other person to authentically be who they are. And our goal is to try to understand them and to see them accurately so we know best how to, to love and serve them and, and to relate to them. Well said, Will. Uh, that was actually one of your best thoughts that you just shared. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm getting credit now. Yes. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, no, that, that almost spoke to me. But I'm a perfectionist, so it wasn't quite up to my level. But it was still pretty good. It was good for you, Will. <laughs> but it's been fun to talk about this today. I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, Will, remind us of what's coming next and tell us what we can look forward to. All right. Well, this has been great today, Rick, and there's a lot of food for thought there. So take whichever one, whatever principle we talked about today, apply it to one of your relationships and see how it goes. Try the power of the request. Try being more curious than judgmental. Try listening and understanding first before you try to be understood. Try to see the other. Any of these things will make a massive, massive difference. Uh, but next week, Rick, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about friendship. And friendship is something that we all desperately need. And most of us will probably find out next week don't have enough friendships in our lives. Yeah, and it is an epidemic in our country. We'll talk about that. The, the feeling of being alone is an epidemic in our world today and the negative effects that has on us when we feel isolated, marginalized, alone. So we're going to talk about the power of connection and friendship, and I think it'll be a powerful episode, Will. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And we've got a lot that we can cover next week as we talk about friendships in our continuation of season two on relationships in our Best Thoughts podcast. Thank you for listening to Best Thoughts with Dr. Will Johns and Dr. Rick Johns. We look forward to talking with you next time.